0: Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and today we've got another happy hour for you, uh, this time with a little bit of lower league flair to it. Uh, so grab a drink, head on over uh, to the chat, send us some questions. Um, t- tonight, as always, we're joined by Jonathan Roz. Jonathan, how's it going?
1: It's it's going well, Dustin. Uh, today I'm starting off with the craft beer because, you know, I realized after recording last week's that uh, sucking on a, sucking a Marriott, uh, hey, I'm a bloody Mary through a straw. I swear this is my first one. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not good uh, podcasting behavior because as, as I went and listened to the pod last time, I could hear every time I decided to take a drink out here. So, yeah.
0: this time And here I was here. blaming wills mic for that.
1: Yeah, that, yeah it was, it, that's what it was. It was Follow yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, also joining us, Jonathan Kalura of Bug Eaters FC. What's going on, Jonathan Kalura?
2: Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll distinguish between the Jonathan's this week. Yeah, well, the big thing is thanks for uh, giving me an excuse to uh, get cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> get a, I'm uh, you know what date Joining a bug eaters ale from Nebraska.
1: Nice. Very nice. Wait, so we were supposed to shower for this podcast? Is that what you're saying?
0: I mean, yes. <laughs> Answer optional. Shower is not. Okay, dang it! <laughs> and on his back porch, it looks like M- Michael Hitchcock. How's it going, Michael?
3: Yeah, doing great. Thanks for uh, for having me on. Look forward to spending time with you guys and talking a little lower league soccer.
0: Yeah do Do you prefer Hitch or is or Michael or?
3: Yeah, I've uh, been called Hitch since uh, seventh grade. But uh, call me Michael, Mike Hitch, whatever. I've been called worse. So y- your call. All right.
0: <laughs> gotcha uh and when what are you drinking tonight
3: yeah i went uh well i've gone a couple couple rounds deep but right now a uh, modelo special so keep, keeping it neutral not uh not picking any favorites you know didn't go with the napa valley wine or the you know raleigh you know beer for the vaqueros just uh keep keeping <laughs> it
0: very cool and joining us Better late than never. D- don't worry, we just got started. Uh, Damon Gogner of Di- yep. Diablos, the yep. uh, lower league E Cup
4: champion. Yeah, celebrity. Da- lower league celebrity E Cup champion. Pivoting into esports soon. Quit Celebrity, calling. they are—they've uh, changed the <laughs> definition. <laughs> they oh, are re- didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, I just—I just accept the awards, man. I don't name them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just get the silverware. That's it. Oh, they—they they don't even give a trophy. I got to buy my own. <laughs> the best kind. Yeah, I bought myself a trophy.
0: Oh. I, I want—I want a trophy.
4: All right. Exactly. <laughs> How are you guys tonight? Everybody Great. socially
0: distanced? Oh, only my dog here in the room with
4: me, so we're good. Perfect. Perfect, yeah, what a crazy world.
0: Yeah, how's everybody doing, like, with all of this?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging time, right? I mean, it's uh for, for anyone in the sports business right now, it, it's not easy, but for teams at our level, uh, that, you know, the, the month is March is when the majority of your season C holders come in, your sponsors, you know, come online, you know, for, for this thing to, to hit with the timing. There's sort of a, a, a double whammy effect there. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, entrepreneurs will get through this. The guys that are really committed and, and, and want to do this for their community, doing it for all the right reasons will be fine. But you're going to see some, uh, you're going to see some collateral damage. You're going to see a number of teams, I think, that don't make it through uh, the challenges that we're going to face here over the next couple of months. Uh, that said that, the, you know, the, you know, Jonathan and, and Damon, uh, who both who I know really, really well, um, man, they're, they're you know, they're, they're owners for a reason. Right. And so guys like us, we're, we're going to power through, we'll get through this thing. Uh, but it's, it's not easy for anyone in the sports world, but uh, especially lower division minor league teams.
2: And to pivot off that, I think, you know, there are a couple things. It's, um, you know, it's not just the effect of the team itself with the sponsors, um, and it, it's it's the effect it is to the to the fans as well. So you're looking at at fans who now don't have disposable income because they potentially have lost a job, or um, you know the the stress of the financial stress of the situation. So you know, on the other side of this, I completely agree with Hitch that um, some teams may not make it, and um, you know, it's not just here in the United States, it's also in England. Uh, that's a difficult situation over there where they completely halted the season. So um, it's, it's going to be, I think the effects of this will be long lasting. I think it's going to take some time for things to, to settle down and get back to normal. But I think uh, speaking on bug eaters behalf, we're very fortunate in that we're dynamic in that we can scale down very quick and we're almost a, a pay as you go uh, team. You know, we, if we don't, use a stadium. We don't pay for it. Uh, staff we have is limited. We use a lot of volunteers and, uh, you know, we, we were talking about this uh, about a month ago coming up with a plan of what do we do uh, if, if this should happen, but it's going to be unfortunate. There are going to be, uh, a lot of, you know, losses. There are going to be teams that don't make it through this, but, um, you know, I, I think, uh, the main thing right now is to focus on on the local communities and what we can do for them
0: how about you damon you obviously it's pivoting to the to the esports
4: yeah we're moving the whole deal we're moving the whole ship <laughs> taking the whole business model throwing it out the window yeah, it's all Love delivery it. now yeah we do soccer as a delivery service we play in your front yard you can watch through your front <laughs> window um we live stream the games drive around with vans no it's uh no man like I, th- I think i think everybody's exactly right um I think, I think the impact we don't really even understand fully i think you know every i think i think jonathan hit the nail on the head from a community perspective and hitch and i had already talked about to your point as well like Let's be cognizant that what we've done in the past with pricing, with specials, with promotions—that they might not be received the same way. That we might have to to approach things differently um, and and you know, for our own club, measure success in a different way financially as well. Um, and we've had conversations already with sponsors that have been like, "Hey, ooh, what's going on?" You know, "Hey, uh, you know what I mean?" They they feel the roughness in the waters, um, and some of our sponsors I was mentioning to. Uh, to another NPSL owner today is our, you know, our our, our title sponsor is, a, is is right here Eastside. It's a bar. He can't serve anything right now. He's he's dead in the water with a staff of I think sixty or eighty across his three bars that he owns. Um, and then you know right behind that are our apparel partner that's been great, Six Stitch. They've done an awesome job and have got us some awesome merch and, and we've been so thankful for them but their biggest thing and and their biggest business is off of live events and concert tours and churches and corporations and nobody's doing those events either. So it's just this whole weird effect, but I think, you know, locally, yes, massive impact. And but I think the bigger one that Hitch and I have talked about is what is this going to do to some leagues? You know what I mean? That don't have the revenue coming in that don't have the models to sustain. So it's just going to be really interesting to see what this does to the landscape. Of American soccer, yet
0: again. Yeah, and just so just I think we should probably, you know, back up just a second. So you and Hitch co-own the Denton Diablos.
4: That's correct.
0: Hitch, you own the um, Fort Worth Vaqueros as well as a team in Napa Valley, right?
3: Uh, investor in Napa Valley, but yeah, majority owner of Fort Worth and partners and co-owners with, uh, with Damon. Yeah. So three NPSL teams total.
0: Okay. And then Jonathan Kalura, you are, you're up in Omaha with Bug Eaters and uh, don't you own a team in
2: England as well? Involved, involved Involved. with England. So I've been, I've been involved in teams in England with Hitch um, Bradford Park Avenue who my business partner here in Dallas he owns that team Okay, have been uh, working with Richie at uh, Kettering and uh, Richie also owns South Bend Lions in USL2 and so my involvement there is consultant uh, you know with Bradford Park Avenue I was a director with Alfredon I was a director and I was supposed to actually be in England this week, but uh, obviously that wasn't meant to be. But, you no, know, I'm actively involved in, uh, in England, specifically at the league level.
0: Gotcha. And mpsl they shut down their, their whole league, didn't they, for this season? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So what what is this I see on Twitter from Den Diablos going up a league? was that a joke or is is that uh... no
4: listen I I would ask you to read the tweet what did the tweet say because I don't know that the Denton Diablos ever said anything about going up a league (laughs) It just said said, we're moving up right yes yes I didn't even say yeah and I think it said we can't wait to come back and be moving up and it was a picture of a guy going up for a header so I don't think you know listen we have all the highest aspirations but Jesus don't start signing big checks yet, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. Um, we'd like to play the first real
0: tr- first year really treated you well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. If it, Like, you know, and what's funny is, is that Hitch will tell you the first thing I did is I saw that I saw like buzz from third degree, pick it up and run with it. And I was like, I sent Hitch a text and was like, is there something I need to know? Like <laughs> we have a conversation. Did we listen? I'm all about an fu And like, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? That's the way the world works. But, Hey, what, what what happened here? So I no,
1: thought Liga like, MX was extending into the U.S. and you guys were the first team to sign on. I
4: love it. I love it. Listen, that's not yeah, a bad idea. Get that going, Jonathan. And get that one going. That's not a bad idea. Listen, we can make some. Yeah. Uh, we can move on that. We can move on that. NAFTA plays well.
0: <laughs> what about wow. uh, what about the England leagues and uh, the league the bug eaters are in? Are they are they completely halted or? What league are you in? so So, let me let me take a guess uh the gulf coast premier league
2: well technically that's where we are this season and so last season we played exhibition but we played uh we played under the registration of gulf coast premier league and so this season we're actually going to be playing in a conference that was going to have between five and six teams and so that's been put on hold indefinitely Uh, no decision has been made to officially cancel the season but common sense is going to say it's quite unlikely that anything's going to happen. Uh, if we can, we'll play something. I don't know that it'll necessarily be a, a league format, but we're talking to teams and we've had teams contact us wanting to do something. But I think right now it's, it's too early to say, but in England, uh, they were in full season and that's been completely halted. And so you've had, um, you know, everything below the national league was, canceled everything below. Uh, Step three of the non-league, I believe, to step six was null and void, which triggered lawsuits and all kinds of messes over there. So now they're evaluating it again. But, um, you know, with promotion relegation, one team specifically, South Shields, uh, felt that nullifying the league was going to you know, have a big financial impact on them, obviously, because they were running away with the league that they wouldn't get promotion, et cetera. So, a lot of different issues uh, going on over there. Um, one of the big issues is uh, paying the players and the contracts. So, a lot of teams aren't aren't able to pay because they they you know they go on a week by week basis. So now they're appealing to uh, the British government. The British government has offered up to 80% of compensation for, for uh, wages. And so now teams are applying to see if they can get it. It's really an interesting situation, but it's it's basically canceled indefinitely, or at least postponed indefinitely. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens because you can essentially take a full season and throw it out the window and see what happens. So um, teams in the relegation zone are gonna be the beneficiaries of voiding out a league or voiding out a season versus teams who threw a lot of money at winning promotion uh, who are effectively going to, uh, you know, they won't get that money back uh, because they were tied into player contracts and that money's already been spent, but they have to do it all over again. So now they're reevaluating what it is. Um, What I'm hearing is, um, you know, National League is is working with teams. They're trying to figure out what would be, you know, a solution to this. What I'm hearing from team owners is, is that they're proposing, to take the remaining games times a point, point per match and finish out the season looking like that just to figure out where the table falls. Um, ultimately, you know, that would, you know, from a promotion relegation standpoint, that, that may make some sense. Um, you know, a team like Bradford, which was sitting in the relegation zone, and on the opposite end of the table, you've got Kings Lynn, who threw a massive budget? It just doesn't make sense to reward a team that was in the relegation zone, which really, honestly, had no chance of getting out of it, versus a team uh, that threw a lot of money away or threw a lot of money at getting, gaining promotion and ultimately rewarding the team that uh, that didn't belong there.
1: So, so far, the the teams that are here in the U.S. that. What for the for the players? I think uh, I think Damon, you said you guys are a lot pay as you go, but for the the players, are they considered? I mean, so if, if they're furloughed, are they getting unemployment these days? Or are they more of a? Are they more tied into like the gig economy where they're just kind of, hey, go find something else? I think Damon, you're on mute.
4: Yeah. So my bad. So us in particular. There we go. Because of our reliance in the past on NCA players, we haven't been able to pay players. So it doesn't affect impact us from that perspective, but we have staff. So just like Jonathan talked about, um, you know, we were smart enough to write in some of our contracts and and some of our partners. It's like, I can't rent my stadium right now. If I wanted to, they're not going to rent it to me. Like it's closed down. The facility, university of North Texas has all facilities closed down until I think now at this point, sometime in May. So it's just a continuous, you know, so from that perspective, um, we're lucky in that we get to scale down, but some of our, you know, our general manager and some of the people on payroll, we've talked to them and said, Hey, we, there's nothing we can do right now. You don't have, you know, our coach can't coach our general manager can't manage. You can't sign sponsors right now. We're not selling season te- seats. We're doing a lot of this and we're doing a lot of, you know, trying to do things to, to support the community. So we're buying gift cards and giving those out on our live streams. We're supporting our sponsors and things of that nature. But now it's, uh, it's tough in that regard.
0: but what um let's say we 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 pivot off of the, the heavy uh <laughs> subject <laughs> let's, let's let's uh talk about something a little happier <laughs> uh let's just talk about regular old soccer so uh I did have a question and i Jonathan kalura you and i um have um had an interview on my other podcast uh f c nation about kind of some like owning a lower league team. And I I think Damon, you and I had one as well, Uh, but specifically Jonathan and hitch, you guys both have experience in England as well. So I'm curious, like what, what is y'all's experience is like, what's the difference between lower league English soccer and lower league
2: us soccer? (laughs) I'll go first hitch and then I'll, I'll pivot to you. uh, It's massive. Absolutely massive. Um, I would say here in the U.S., you're able to build sustainable models. Um, I think the fan base that you can build here in in the U.S., uh, you know, attendance-wise, we get about the same attendance that uh, a lot of the non-league clubs in England get. But the difference is, is that we're not locked into um, high payments. And I can tell you that in in England, non-league is almost unsustainable. And it's because you have teams that have come through like Salford who've, you know, pushed it up, Uh, you know, at, at the level that Bradford plays, you're looking at six to 7,000 pounds a week uh, in player contracts. So if you're doing that and you're getting an attendance of 300 to 600 a match, it's going to be exceptionally difficult to, to find sustainability. Even if you do a fantastic job of selling, uh, you know, club shop items as, as well as uh, getting sponsors. And so, you know, from a, from a quality standpoint, I think uh, the game here is different. Uh, it's it's a faster game here uh, there in the non-league. It's all about how big you are and how, how physical you are. Um, you know, this past season, I had three players from 2018 uh, play in, uh, in the non-league uh, my striker, Danny, with Maidenhead, he'll likely be in the league next season. And then uh, my keeper, Jack Bennett, who's with Kettering, and then uh, Lewis Rathbone, who's with Bradford, and he's uh, currently with Irilum. But, um, you know, I think there it's um, it, it's a little bit, like I said, it's more physical, but it, it's more of a, a full-time game. And here, you know, I think it's more of a, of a skilled um, speed game for, you know, just athletes more than anything else. Hitch, what, what, what do you have on that?
3: Yeah, sorry. I, I dropped off there for a second. Uh, just log back on. What, what was the question, Dustin?
0: Just, we're just talking about the differences between the lower league in England versus the lower league in in the U S and kind of how it can, what the dichotomy is between, um, you know, the top tier leagues and the lower leagues in both places
3: yeah yeah no uh, I, I do agree it's extremely uh intense and competitive at that that lower league level in in England uh, i mean it's it's about livelihoods and jobs and and not that it's not the the same here it's just a little bit of a different culture right and and there you know when you're at that national league level and and above uh it's about being in the shop window and and showcasing yourself and so there's there, there's a certain level of intensity that I think you see in the games over there that You see here at times, but it's not necessarily at the same level. Now, when you look at player to player, there are certainly players who have the ability that are playing in NPSL and you know UPSL and. The Gulf Coast League that could go over there and, and could compete for sure so um, yeah the the level you know and I always I always wonder about that if you know the, the Denton Diabolos or Fort Worth Vaqueros played Alfredton Town you know what what would that look like and I think it would be a pretty competitive game as a one off game I think over the balance of a season though uh, it's it's pretty intense and so you know the travel there you know uh, it, it's just you know the weather conditions uh, it's it's challenging and so I, I don't know if a lot of the American players can assimilate really well to that, but I think talent-wise and ability, it certainly is comparable.
2: I, I would I would disagree with you on one thing, and that's travel. Here in the U.S., the travel is the distances we have are, are so brutal. extensive. And uh, I mean, last season we went to Little Rock, which I think was ten and a half, and then the following weekend we went to Chattanooga, which was fourteen each way. But in England, it, it you know everything there is a day trip and um, but you're absolutely right. The intensity of, of a full season, it'd be interesting to see how players at this level would be able to compete, um, you know, given a full season. It's, I, I wish we had that opportunity. I know that, that uh, obviously Nice is looking to do a, a similar schedule, you know, it'd be interesting to see how those players, how those players do uh, the second half because I do think a lot of them are used to playing a half, half season if you compare it to uh, some of the international leagues.
3: Yeah.
0: And you guys, you guys all have different setups with how you set up your teams, right? Cause uh, Damon, I, I know you were just talking about, but you have some NCAA players yep. and you kind of really lean in on the, the development aspect, right? And we
4: have, the, yes.
0: The Vaqueros have kind of a, a different model, right? So mm-hmm. Can talk a little bit about uh, – let's talk a little bit about the differences there.
4: Yeah, no. I mean, the reality was is starting a club from scratch a year ago at this time, right, we had to find the best players available we could. And the majority of those that we could lean on and that we had relationships with right away were – really close to graduates of high school because of our coaching staff and the relationships we have with the rest of our staff or guys that were already in college a couple of years. So because of that, we 100% relied very heavily on that. Now, that being said, our captain and some of our other key pieces were guys that weren't in college. And we leaned and had a roster that included 10, 12, 15 guys that were not in college. Um, So, but yes, we did. Um, And that was for a lot of different reasons, mostly availability and quality of talent right? Um, Moving forward though, you know, this year we had to face the reality of not being able to use a single one of those guys in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, So we had already kind of, you know, this this is life. Life is you have this five-year plan and then the U.S. Open Cup and coronavirus decide that they're going to like accelerate and change and morph and cause you to take different avenues, right? So um, no, we weren't anticipating getting to because you know in hitch you can correct me if i'm wrong but they've historically up until the last year or two been similar in that they relied on a few college guys um to first start the club and then build it with more and more guys and you know they've got more now of the they've done a better job of getting guys from the vaquer or excuse me from the um sidekicks and from the outlaws so they have some you know some professionals that come back so they're in the area um but you know ultimately we knew and as a as a front office staff we had talked about we're gonna to have to long term find some sort of you know closer relationship with players in the community if we want to in- theoretically talk about playing in fall leagues or you know really going deep in the playoffs for npsl or continuing to to fantasize with the u.s open cup so does that answer your question
0: yeah oh, i'm curious since I'm curious to know about uh the Viceros and how they how you guys ended up with with what you've got now. As as
3: yeah, the, it was it was a real evolution. Yeah, so when when we launched it uh 6 years ago, so we'll be in our, our our sixth, you know, summer season. Won't be the NPSL season, but we're we're going to play once we we kick, you know, COVID-19. So, uh we started with local players and uh that was important because we were bringing, you know, minor league, lower division, which whichever name you want to call it, soccer to, to Fort Worth for the first time, and wanted to provide opportunities to local players. And so it was a lot of the 18, 19, 20-year-old player, elite high school player, guys from the local adult leagues, and some other good players from Fort Worth and surrounding communities uh, that played for the team. Uh, we we quick, quickly realized that it was that was a challenge, right? You're playing against teams that they're bringing in players from... UVA and Indiana and you know top top schools and and it was tough. So we did that for a couple of years and then started to evolve where we started using uh, College players in addition to local players uh, still committed to developing that local player providing that opportunity had a lot of success and starting to get guys an opportunity to play at a higher level professional soccer, uh, outdoor. Uh, and then really, uh, you know, three years ago. So halfway through this thing, made the decision that, you know, we're going to bring in a, a head coach, Nick Stavro, former, you know, sidekicks player and coach and, with that, uh, you know, players who are playing professional indoor at that time, the sidekicks were the only team down. Uh, they're looking for a place to play in, in their off season for indoor. And so give them an, a platform, an opportunity to play year round. Uh, so started bringing in professional indoor players. And so uh, last couple of seasons, you know, the team has been built on players that play pro indoor for, for half the season. Uh, or half the year, rather, and then they'll come play for the Vaqueros. And so now there's two teams in town, the Mesquite Outlaws and uh, obviously the Dallas Sidekicks. So uh, majority of the team, not 100%, but majority of the team are uh, that level player and then a combination of players that – Uh, are at the end of their pro career or have just retired and moved to Dallas uh, for personal reasons and in some cases because life after soccer includes coaching youth soccer and there's no better youth soccer market in the country for coaching than than Dallas-Fort Worth. You could argue Southern California is a better youth soccer market but Dallas is a close second but when it comes to earning a paycheck as a former pro player uh, this is a great place to be. So, you know, the pro indoor teams and now the Vaqueros uh, give them an the opportunity to keep playing the game they love at a high level and stay relevant as a player and transition to coaching after soccer.
1: So how much of that season overlaps? And so you between the indoor and <laughs>
3: yeah so so traditionally <laughs> traditionally the answer is zero, so we thought we had a really good really? plan
1: well i'm sorry sorry i should have I should have started it with normally how much does it <laughs> yeah so uh, now you might have to play some double headers or something
3: well no, no, so so what happened this year is uh the u s open Cup uh which the Diablos and the vaqueros uh both made which is which is awesome and and we're pumped up about playing in it once uh, once they 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 decide what those dates are going to be after this virus but uh so originally the US Open Cup would start in May, uh, which is when our season starts and there's zero overlap. So there's, there's no issues there. Uh, this year, they pushed it up to March. And as Damon mentioned, you know, the Diablos had to reinvent themselves because they were a team that were built on uh, high-level elite college players for the most part. Well, they weren't eligible for the Open Cup. Uh, well, the Vaqueros had the same issue, but it was on the other side of things is the end of the indoor season overlapped with the Open Cup. And so um, so that that's the only conflict that we would have had would have been uh, that U.S. Open Cup first round. And if the mosquito Outlaws and Dallas Sidekicks would have made the playoffs, it would have been at the same time. And so we, we had plan A, B, and C ready to roll, and none of the above <laughs> ended up We moved forward with none of them, right?
4: Plan D. Yeah, yep. Canceled. Postponed. 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 NPSL season canceled, but yeah, U.S. Open Cup postponed.
1: I think it's technically furloughed because it's to kind of back <laughs> It's laid off.
4: Be <laughs> the first thing to call back. We'll be your first one to call you back when we're ready.
0: Jonathan, what about you up there in in uh, Omaha Land with with your the way you set up your team? Um, I know they got what Creighton's up there. You, you lose, use a lot of Creighton players.
2: We, we know Creighton, uh, we, we've had some Creighton guys, uh, but we, we play at Morrison Stadium, which is Creighton's uh, facility. Uh, University of Nebraska at Omaha, uh, they supply us quite a few players, that's the other Division I program. Who does? Uh, by Bob Warming, who uh, used to be Creighton's head coach when I was growing up. Um, we use a lot of, uh, we're mostly college players, and so we have a lot of NAIA schools that uh, yes, to us, um, Concordia, Midland, Hastings, Bellevue University, just to name a few of them. But uh, we've really tapped into that network. Uh, it's become quite competitive uh, to be on the team. Uh, we have those guys, and then we have a few alumni. We do have uh, a few Creighton alum who uh, play on the team as well. And I think it's a good balance to have those. They tend to be a little bit of the leaders. Um, you know, w- the feedback we've had from the local schools is, is that it's absolutely helping uh, their players develop. Um, but, you know, we want to stay with that model. We want to stay with the, uh, the focus on, on the college players. It's not just the D1, but also uh, the NAIA schools. Um, ultimately, and I mentioned working with Kettering and Ritchie, um, I want to launch an academy in uh in Omaha with the bug eaters eventually um obviously that's been put off for some time but uh you know I want to uh, I want to see kind of a, a middle step between the youth academies and who we are to kind of put an elite level in there and uh that's something that we're looking at doing but our models absolutely all college um and I, the reason that we focus on that is because of the, of the demand. And when I launched the team, I said I wanted to focus on local development. And so everybody who plays for us is um, is a- affiliated with uh, the state of Nebraska in some way. They're either playing for a school in Nebraska or they're a local resident.
0: Very cool. Uh, we do have a couple questions from, from YouTube. Uh, hi, YouTube. Thanks for joining. Uh, so Charles would like to know if Damon has a brother named Graham. I do. He does. That's it. All right.
4: It's easy. Next. Okay. Next. <laughs> Hard play. hitting. Line him up, knock him down. That's it. Uh, he's, a, he's a premium season ticket holder, and you can find him at all the Diablo games with <laughs> my uh, nephew and nieces. Sitting can you hear mine. him cheer
0: over um, Chad's daughters?
4: No. He's got four daughters. They're oh, like banshees. They are. They're awesome, though. He's got his <laughs> Those, own cheering yeah. section everywhere he goes. It's amazing.
0: All right. Uh, Inside Out FC says, "How do y'all feel about the change to the starting date of the U.S. Open Cup? Was this a shock, or was this something y'all saw coming down the pipe?"
4: We had Birdies whisper to in our ear in um, October, November, that they were going to change the structure, and that it could include an earlier start date to expand the overall offering to make room for additional teams because NISA was coming in, USL was expanding. There was just going to be more teams. And so the first mentions of it came in October, November. But at that point, we didn't even know. The funny thing is, is in, we started planning to be in the Open Cup in ca- just in case, like, oh shit, just in case we make it, we might want to think about this so we don't get caught in three months with our pants down um, before the US Open Cup told us we were in the Open Cup. Because we knew like, by the time they told us, which was late December, we had, we'd already had two tryouts and been communicating and been pulling in guys. And we're setting up things over the Christmas break for guys that were available and coming back and graduating. And so, yeah. And to your point, the to answer the other part of the question, not ideal, not ideal for any of the gentlemen on this call, I would assume, um, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But uh, if it means the tournament is bigger and is moving in a better direction, then, you know, I guess that's the necessary evil of it. The FA Cup is almost year-round,
2: so. I think that to add to that, if we if we want to play in it, we have to play in qualifiers. Yeah. So those qualifiers happen in the offseason for us, which would be in the fall. So essentially, one thing we have done is we've taken that – group of alumni that I've mentioned and and local players, and we've set them up that we're almost going to have a completely second team to play in open cup qualifiers and potentially in the open cup, which is unfortunate because the, you know, the the core of our team are are the college players. And so, you know, Hitch's model I would imagine is, is is the one that is going to be the most successful in the, in the open cup. Uh, with having those, those dedicated players, but for us, um, you know, that's ultimately what we were looking at 60 days ago was setting up a second team to play in qualifiers in the fall.
3: Yeah. I can't yeah, imagine. I think the, the reality of the open cup is, uh, if U S soccer is going to invest more in it, as Damon mentioned, make it a bigger event. Um, and and we know what the schedule looks like, we just have to plan for it, right? And we're all, you know, successful entrepreneurs and, and, and pretty good at, at, at doing these types of things. So, you know, for, for us, you know, we realized this year that if our you know, if the indoor teams would have made the playoffs and the open cup played as, as scheduled, we would have been playing with a lesser team than what we will be playing with this this summer. But that's that's just that's the that's the gig, right? And so you know, for, for me, it's uh, it's one of the great competitions. I, I love the Open Cup, uh, played in it, uh, won it when I was uh, at the LA Galaxy, uh, second place when I was at FC Dallas. And so, you know, now to own teams that, that are in it, it's it's pretty special. And so, for me, what's what, what, what's best is what's best for the growth of the game. And so, if starting earlier, and it means they can invest more, dedicate more time,
1: resources to it, I'm all for it, and we'll just figure out how to put the best possible team on the field. Is that, is that the case for a lot of the – a lot of the teams are playing those early rounds or playing in the kind of the, the, even, even before the open cup, like, that are actually going playing through the qualifiers. Are they all kind of in the same situation as you guys are? Well, I can't speak like to a, the qualifiers, the uh, so N- NPSL.
3: Yeah. The NPSL, you make the first round proper if you qualify through uh, the NPSL, which isn't easy to do. Uh, so, so I don't know how the qualifying is. Jonathan could probably speak to that, Laura, but um, you know, I, I, for, for me, you know, if they're going to start every year in March, And, you know, we just have to plan for that and be able to put a good team. And fortunately in Dallas-Fort Worth, we're in a talent-rich environment. So there's lots of great players that, you know, to be able to play in the U.S. Open Cup is a pretty attractive draw uh, for players and and for coaches and for executives to be a part of that. So uh, as long as I I think this year was the biggest field of teams, you know, ever, I think it was 100 teams uh, that's in it this year, Uh, teams that aren't willing to adapt, you know, they're not going to play. And there's teams that passed up on the invitation that qualified, uh, so I don't know how the qualifying rounds work, um, but, you know, Reados, which is a big local team, makes every year. But uh, for us, uh, we're just going to have to adapt and come up with a plan, and hopefully it's a, it's a problem we have
2: every year. The qualifying rounds begin in the fall, and essentially that's that's where a large number of the teams come in. Um, basically, to go into qualifiers, you, you have to – submit an application, you've got to have a stadium, et cetera. It's, you know, and you have to belong to, to a league that is, uh, I think it's you have to have at least 10 games to be able to uh, to qualifiers last season, because we played a full exhibition season, we wanted to play in open cup qualifiers, but we were not allowed to. Um, What you'll see is uh, you'll see A a lot of teams go in in the fall. Most of those teams will be UPSL because UPSL doesn't have the automatic qualification. Um, But, you know, it's something that we're absolutely looking into. Um, If, you know, if that opportunity comes to us, you know, we'd we'd love to do it. Um, You know, NPSL and obviously USL2 get the automatic uh, qualifiers, and Hitch was very fortunate to get two of those spots. Nisa, too. Yeah, that's right. Nisa as well. But Nisa's, we another- Nisa and then USL1 added to it. You yep. got another,
0: another YouTube
4: co- Go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
0: All right. We got another YouTube question. Caitlin Riley asks, what's the meaning behind
2: bug eaters? Ah. So, if a lot of Nebraskans know what bug eaters is, um, back in the 1800s, uh, Nebraskans in the late eighteen hundreds were known as bug eaters, and so um, it comes from a time when the there was essentially a uh, a famine, and the bugs ate all of the crops and so they said that Nebraskans had nothing to eat but bugs and so uh, they were labeled as bug eaters, um, I would guess by our, our friends over in Iowa, but the name stuck, and so University of Nebraska back in the 1890s was uh, nicknamed the Bug Eaters at one time. Um, and I have a, a relative who actually played uh, at the University of Nebraska as a Bug Eater. And so uh, when I uh, named the team, I figured uh, those in the state of Nebraska would know what it was, and those outside would think we're insane and wouldn't <laughs> do that. So, um, But that's where the name came from, and so it's really a, a nickname for, for native Nebraskans. And so, you know, Nebraskans are now known as corn huskers. It's more of a, uh, I guess a, a, an accepted, uh, Nick. It's also a great
0: conversation starter. I had your scarf on my desk at work for about a year and a half and all the time, what's a bug eater. <laughs> so. my,
2: my favorite was somebody, somebody sent us something and said, uh, they were wearing the shirt and somebody asked him if it was French. They thought it, it was pronounced <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: And the answer, of course, was yes, yes, of course it is. Absolutely dirt. it is. Yes,
0: It's not dirt, it's deer so, It's a Joe Dirt riff.
4: Yep, Joe Dirt. No, I got you. I got
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody got it.
4: <laughs> On the same wavelength.
0: So, Hitch... I did, um, while I've got you here, I did want to talk a little bit about your, your FC Dallas days. Most of our listeners are FC Dallas fans. Um, not to get too much into it, but, like, you were the GM for, like, what, 2010 to, just what, 2013,
3: 14? No, 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 no. Uh, no, it was uh, 2005 to
0: 2009, end of 2009. Did I, did I, hmm. I guess uh, the internet lied to me. To this.
1: <laughs> what you're saying is as soon as you left, FC Dallas made it to the MLS Cup? Is that what you're saying? With the team I built, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: good, answer, good answer, Hitch. Good answer. I love it.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, by
4: the
3: way, D- David Ferreira was a, a player I went down to Brazil and, and brought back through a partnership I had structured with Atletico Peroniense. And David, who was a part of that team that you're referring to, ended up getting MVP in MLS. Uh, yep. But probably the the greatest uh, contribution to to local soccer and FC Dallas from that acquisition is his son, Jesus Ferrer. It's, yeah, um, came over and at that time actually played with my son. He's he's a couple years older, but they played together at the academy. And uh, right away, when we saw his uh, his son Jesus play, we were like that that's going to end up being the greatest contribution to going down to Curry- <laughs> Hebrew-
1: <laughs> and bringing back uh, David Ferreira. Let's 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 hope so I don't hey. like he's, he's quite caught up with his dad. Yeah, but yeah. Hitch, yeah. You,
2: you've got, you've got Charlie Kelman. Who's over there in England in league one. Uh, so I, I met Hitch way back when he was with FC Dallas, actually Hitch. I, I messaged with uh, Pablo Ruscheni last week. He uh, He's the head coach of a uh, second division club in Argentina, which is a okay, great. nice move for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, 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 you know, I'm, I'm actually a season ticket holder for FC Dallas. And, uh, you know, shockingly, it won't shock you at all, but haven't heard a thing from them uh, since this whole uh, situation came about. No idea what's going on over there at FC Dallas, but no one can seem to. Communicate, but uh, I don't know. Dustin, uh, have you heard anything from them?
0: No, just uh, announcements about player player practice moratoriums, and I think think uh, everybody they're just like everybody else, trying to play it by ear.
2: I ended up, yeah, I ended up. Uh, they talked me into some Hall of Fame tickets, and uh, uh, as soon as I made the payment, uh, I haven't heard from them since. <laughs>
4: That <laughs> Oh shit, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> <gonna> clip this. <laughs> H- <laughs> Hitch, <laughs>
3: Hitch, <laughs> Hitch. Cue that Boris Johnson clip. Cue that Boris Johnson <laughs> clip right now. Well, I got a clip for you. Maybe <laughs> oh. you want to close this show. It's uh, a <laughs> yeah, god. All right. <laughs> Well, right, we'll revisit that.
0: Well, I was gonna ask you about your uh, it's like what what's your most memorable memorable uh, thing about being uh your time at FC Dallas was.
3: Yeah, so um, I I love uh, I love the people side of the business, right? And uh, you know, from two thousand five two thousand nine, man, we had a great group of committed, passionate soccer people that. You know, it was all about grassroots and connecting with the community and, um, you know, so, so from, you know, the players, we had a great group of young men as players, many of whom are, are head coaches right now in Major League Soccer and in college, which I think is the sign of you, you had a great group of players. Um, you know, we, we had a really talented front office team, uh, you know, it, it it was, and the partnerships we created around the world was really forward-thinking and innovative. I mean, had a great relationship with with River Plate, uh, had a terrific relationship with Atletico Paranaense, with Tigris, and you know that that was before anyone was really doing those those types of relationships and deals. So I think we are a little ahead of our time, but. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's the people. So, you know, it, it's easy to think about this great win or, you know, that, that difficult loss, but, you know, it's, it's how I met, you know, Jonathan Kalora. It's how I met, you know, some really amazing people, whether they were supporters, sponsors, players, executives, staff, um, and they're, they're friends for life. So, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's all about the people, and, and those were certainly uh, certainly the best
2: memories. I, I think it's, it's someone who was there at that time as a fan it was one of those things where I wouldn't miss a match and and people I know wouldn't miss a match, um, just because it was, it was a fantastic fan community. And so post-match, we'd all go into the, uh, into the club there. It's changed quite a bit since then, but we'd all hang out, uh, have, have a drink. The players would all come in. We knew all the players. And so it was, it was really a, a fantastic community. Um, you know, the, the, the uh relationships that were forged at that time with T Grace and, and CAP especially were absolutely fantastic. I remember even when Everton came and uh you know trained at, at FC Dallas. I mean, that was definitely well ahead of its time. Um I still remember the uh the third kit, the T Grace yellow third kit that uh that uh, FC Dallas came up with at that time and you know, it was, it was something that, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that how it's evolved the game and it's interesting how FC Dallas has, has absolutely evolved and, and how massive the Academy is is today, but those foundations were all laid back then. And, um, you know, I, I, I one moment that stands out for me and Hitchell appreciate this was the, uh, cap match when they played FC Dallas and, uh, and uh, the ref, you had to convince the ref to go back on the pitch after Cap uh, tackled him.
3: Yeah, that, 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 that is uh, – I'm not sure it's a highlight or not, but, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was an all-out brawl, and I had to uh, convince the official to go back under the match and not abandon the game. And, and then afterwards, we all had beers in the club, and both teams were friends. But, yeah, during that 90 minutes, it was uh, pretty heated, and it was the return leg. We went down to Curitiba for preseason – and uh, played down there in their stadium, and then they came up here and it was a return leg, and, it, yeah, it got definitely pretty heated. That's pretty funny. I, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, it took, took a lot of persuasion to get that official to go back on the field. He, he looked like uh, he had seen a ghost.
0: Yeah. Uh, another YouTube question, get your mind correct, says, uh, wants to know who's responsible for that T-Grace-inspired third kit. Is that you, Hitch?
3: That's me. Yep. So we, we actually created one for Atletico Prinense as well that was never produced. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the Tigris kit and we've got a, a soccer room in my house that has 150 jerseys on the wall and they were all gifts and uh, a bunch of commemorative Tigris kits that they gave me through that relationship. And then uh, we've got that commemorative kit that that we created. And uh, some people may not realize that Atletico Prinense actually wore an FC Dallas inspired kit yeah. Uh, when they nice. played down at one of their league games in the Brazilian league, uh, the first division down there, and we were supposed to reciprocate, and it didn't didn't happen for a variety of reasons. But I've got that kid on the wall up there in the soccer room as well, and it's a it's a pretty sharp looking kid. It's, uh, it looks a lot like a AC Milan's kit, so maybe I'll go online and give it away to some fan. But, uh, so have, but yeah, so yeah, a it was uh, definitely room.
1: some good relationship. So you have a soccer room, yeah, fifty kids, and you're sitting on the back uh, in your backyard. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I, I'm our, I'm
3: I, I like to be around people, and I'm suffering from cabin fever. So I'm I'm going to be outside as much as I can when the weather's nice. Oh, you get that? Believe me, I was You gotta you gotta to
0: tweet is. out that um, that SC Dallas inspired kit.
3: Yeah, I'll definitely I'll do that later. I'm
2: really, excited about that. Uh, the, the third kit night was a uh, a shirt off their back auction. And I have a handful of those. And I've got Carlos Ruiz, uh, Bondi. I think I've got Wagonfear. if you remember him. Well, that, that, that is a collector's item right there. Then. That's it. <laughs> he, and then I also have, uh, I think I've got Bobby's as well. That's special. That's cool. So Wagonfear actually, he, he went to Creighton and he, uh, he lives in Nebraska. And so I, I should hit him up and... And see uh, if he wants to get involved.
0: <laughs> yeah, should get a Buccaneers jersey on him. That's
4: it. Yeah, the good idea.
0: I mean, you got him on what the uh, pretty much every national uh, cele- soccer celebrity celebrity on their YouTube channels. Alexi <laughs> the, the Lawless yeah, where one. The most recent one, or
2: Alexi Larcher sure recently. Yeah, and Hitch knows Alexi quite well. You know, Alexi's a, a, a he's a polarizing. <laughs> he's a big fan of the game i i had a chance to actually uh catch up with him down at uh soccer x in miami last last fall and he asked me to send him some stuff so i did but yeah he he wore that recently and then um you know of course my my buddies uh alexis and christian with the kooligans uh they're they're fantastic advocates of the game and they do make it to Dallas. I don't know if you guys have met them yet, but uh, they'll they'll be here when the season gets going again.
0: I was supposed to sit next to them at a uh, sidekicks match, but they didn't show up. So,
1: <laughs> sad tear. Right, they're they're mosquito outlaw fans. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here it is.
0: <laughs> um. We're, we're, uh, pretty close to our, our, hour limit here. Um, so I wanted to, before we go give everybody, I know you guys have a lot of roots in the community. You guys have a, I know uh, I've seen a couple things come from you guys about, uh, initiatives that you've got going on right now. Uh, but I wanted to give you a chance to plug something or, um, advertise something that you guys are working on with your community, um, or else what otherwise. So, uh, Damon, you, you got anything you want to plug?
4: Oh, you muted. Yes, today we made donations. Additional donations. Couple things. Um, if you hit up any of our social, you'll see a couple places that you can support. So Eastside employees uh, and John Williams employ quite a few, almost a hundred people across Denton in various bars and restaurants, and so uh, they're doing some cool things, and we're supporting them. Um, we're also supporting the uh, Denton community food um, or a food closet or whatever. I, I don't know the name for certain, but Um, check our social and you'll see we donated some money and and shared the link on the ways that you can support there. They're doing some good stuff and and helping people in the community.
0: Cool. And uh, just a note, I'll grab all these links and I'll put them in our show notes. So if you're listening to the podcast version of this, um, I forget exactly how, but in your podcast app, uh, like scroll down or whatever and and check out the notes and the links will be there. So uh, Hitch, what do you guys got going on? Anything you want to (laughs) plug?
3: yeah we 've uh we 've been we basically took our when, when this thing hit uh, on the twelfth which is really when it hit hard and, and the sports world paused uh, we took all of our marketing dollars which were going to be focused on season seats and uh, some pretty cool campaigns and we didn 't cancel those, but we shifted them over and what we did with them is uh, we 're buying twenty five to fifty dollar gift cards from locally owned businesses and giving those away every day through social media campaigns for vaqueros fans and so Obviously, it's supporting a local business uh, through the form of a gift card. It's promoting that business uh, through what they're doing, whether it's a, a beer to go from the local breweries or it's it's takeout, curbside, or delivery service. But businesses that are open for business, we're promoting them. Uh, and then it, it gives back to our fans, uh, many of which, is, as everyone said on, uh, on this, is that are having a tough time, right? Either they've been furloughed, fired, or cut back. And so it's a tough time. So it's a chance for them to get some free food and beer on, on the Vaqueros. And so uh, we're doing that campaign. And, and then now that we know we're going to be you know sitting at home for at least another month, uh, we've got some other things we're doing. And basically it's called a kick COVID-19 campaigns. So if you go to our social media, you can learn all about them, uh, but we're going to be rolling out some other things that it's all about giving back to the community. Who's been incredibly supportive of the team since uh, the team launched in 2014.
2: Very cool. Jonathan Kalura. So, um, we immediately were talking about what we could do to help the community. Omaha has been impacted massively because the, the three big events in the city have been canceled. Um, obviously, College World Series is the largest event in the city. Uh, Olympic trials for swimming were canceled. And then you also had the NCAA tournament, which was uh, one of the regionals was being hosted there. So, um, massive impact on the city. Um, and so, you know, we were saying, you know, who are we and what, what can we do to give back? And it's, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to do. So Omaha foundation set up a COVID 19 response fund. And so um, looking at how much merchandise we have that we've paid for. That's just sitting here idle. Um, you know, we, we came up with the idea of hundred percent of club shop sales, um, being donated to that COVID-19 response fund. And then I said I would match 100% of it. Right now, we are, um, we've had 14 states, D.C. and Canada, uh, over 60 orders come through. And so, you know, being here in, at the house with, with all the stuff, I'm able to fulfill the orders. But right now with my match, we're somewhere between four and $5,000. So that I'll be donating uh, next week. And so, you know, my, my plug would be, this is, is, uh, you know, buy something from the club shop and, uh, you know, all of that will go to, uh, the response fund. And then I, I will match whatever you end up uh, uh, buying, you know, so match a dollar for dollar. Very cool.
0: Did, was there a, some sort of clip that we were going to play? Boris Johnson.
3: <coughs> <Did> it... <laughs> oh, they, they if I had the technology, I would play it, and it would be well worth uh, your time. But unfortunately, I don't have that technology. You're gonna have to inject that yourself, Dustin, in the in the pod, <laughs> man. Uh, I'll uh, I'll go looking for the link. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I put it on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter handle, you'll see a Boris Johnson highlight that's worth sharing. Yeah, Boris Johnson
4: diving um at crotch is the is the deal it's the boris johnson okay. highlight of him playing a celebrity match he's representing i think liverpool against i believe i don't know if it's a german team
3: no it's Eng- england versus germany i think he yeah, uh, headbutts the, uh <laughs> <laughs> i think they call it the nutsack he headbutts the nutsack of the <laughs> That's exactly
1: what it is <laughs> <laughs> watch out Dustin's gonna be like hey this is a, this is a family pod and i gotta edit all this uh, out No,
4: no. (laughs) He takes about about a seven-yard run, ten-yard run, and just immediately puts his shoulders down because he gets going too far and leans too far forward and can't stop or move or redirect his weight and just goes hurling himself right into the groin of the opposition. It is
3: almost like a a torpedo. Like imagine a torpedo. It's a rugby tackle. A Boris Johnson torpedo.
4: Yeah. It's a rugby tackle, 100%. It is so great. I play that on loop whenever I'm feeling down in blue.
0: <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, uh, check out each one of the guys. We'll, we'll put all of their their um, social links in the show notes as well. You can find us online at DallasSoccerShow.com. You can find us on social at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter. Uh, Thanks for joining me, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Uh, guys. Appreciate you being here.
2: Thanks, Dustin.
1: Thanks for having me. Cheers.
3: Thanks, Jonathan. (laughs) Cheers, everybody.
1: Thanks, guys.